Hello, and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Chris Sands. This week, we have a special collaboration episode. I teamed up with Jim Bachman from the Brews Association of Maryland to interview Earl Holman, one of the founders of Crooked Crab Brewing. This was recorded during one of BAM's Fermented Friday live streams. Hope you enjoy the show. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us for this Fermented Friday. I'm Jim with the Brewers Association of Maryland. We've got a great lineup today. We're joined by Chris Sands of the Uncapped Podcast. He's going to be helping to uh, conduct the overall chat today with uh, Earl Holman of the uh, wonderful establishment Crooked Crab Brewing Company. We've been spending a lot of time with them in the last couple of weeks. They just put together a phenomenal uh, release for the Brew for Bam series called Wham Bam uh, with a couple of friends from Firm Brewing. So I'm very excited to hear Earl talk all about this project and uh, get to know a little bit more about him. In the meantime, I'm going to pop Chris up and we're going to uh, have a little intro from Chris and hear what he's up to. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm great. I'm very happy that you and I are doing this together. This is kind of fun. I think of the... well, the three of us, it's probably um, Earl that's the most happy because now he doesn't have to sit through the same questions back to back and he gets to knock out an uncapped podcast and fermented Friday at the same time. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's going to be a great time. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about I know your listeners are going to be hearing about what's going on. So maybe uh, maybe I'll just say fermented Friday is a thing that Brewers Association of Maryland has started to do since COVID started. Uh, we're trying our best to keep our members engaged with the community, uh, with the beer drinking culture here in Maryland. We want everybody to know what's going on at these awesome breweries, what products they have coming out. Uh, and you and I discussed both interviewing Earl. We both were planning on kind of the same week or two week span, and this materialized. Can you tell our viewers and our listeners uh, what Uncapped is all about real quick and then uh, do your intro? Um, well, it's a podcast that I am lucky enough to interview. Usually it's the founder slash owner, um, sometimes the brewers, um, sometimes marketing and sales, but I tend to only interview owners because I like to get the backstory of how, um, breweries came to be, what the person was doing beforehand, um, what made them want to open a brewery. Um, a lot of times the name uh, where the name came from is a really interesting story. So that's why I prefer to have owners on because I get to have those conversations. Um, yeah, getting that real background, I think, <clears throat> is uh, pretty cool. And it's almost like pulling back the, the curtain in, in The Wizard of Oz and figuring out what's going on behind the scenes and what's really operating and, and motivating these businesses to do what they're doing here in the state. And then mo- uh, recently I've expanded out to um like i had a baseball writer on recently who's also a um avid craft beer drinker and he incorporates craft beer into his writing so i had him on uh it's probably one of the only upsides to the pandemic for me is that now that everything is virtual it's opened up a whole new world of guests for me yeah, before you were pretty uh, limited with getting guests either here in Maryland, uh, some from Virginia. I think you've had a few on from Pennsylvania. Um, yeah. But now you're able to really expand. I know you've had folks on from California. You have had folks on from the Midwest. So this is really cool that you're getting the opportunity to expand uh, kind of your reach through really cool uh, channels with other great breweries. I, I've kind of been torn, though, because 
I still, I feel like I'm kind of turning my back on Maryland whenever I reach out to these faraway places, but, um, especially cause I, it's kind of always been my niche to shamelessly promote Maryland beer, especially Frederick. Um, but also all of Maryland. Well, there's some other, uh, not so shameless promotion that I know that you like to get out of the way with each one of your episodes. Can you tell us a little bit about the folks that uh, help support uncapped podcast and, uh, talk about them for a second? Yeah. Uh, we are, um, very thankful that from the very beginning roast house pub has, uh, been a sponsor and has stayed on with us for three years now. Um, so roast house pub in Frederick, Maryland, um, amazing virtual beer dinners. There will be another one coming up in September. It's going to be a great one with Saints Row. Um, one of our newer sponsors is uh, Idiom Brewing Company, another Frederick uh, local, brewing up amazing beer. And uh, actually the creator of the Brew for Bam project. So all the we'll be talking about uh, the exciting uh, Wham Bam which is actually delicious soon. Uh, Vanish Brewery down in uh, Northern Virginia. Um, kind of feel like they're honorary Frederick. Uh, so they've been a supporter of us. And District East, the best beer store in Frederick, Maryland, where you can pick up all these amazing breweries. And they even have uh, special deals on Mondays. Or is it two? Yeah, Maryland Monday. I should yep. probably have that memorized. And then uh, McClintock Distilling Company, which I think makes some of the best spirits, I would say, in the country. They're absolutely amazing. Uh, this is not our weekly, uh, or as close to weekly as we can get, um, Maryland Spirits conversation, but McClintock was just nominated in uh, 10 Best from USA Today for Best Gin and Best Vodka Distillery. So if you're interested in voting for Best Distilleries, go and show them some love. Um which when right, I saw well, that was one of those things like, oh, yeah, that, that makes sense because they are. <laughs> most certainly. I, uh, I'm a big fan. I think that they're doing great things uh, for the distilling industry in the state. And uh, we're, we're fortunate to have so many great distilleries out here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I just went ahead and threw a thank you into the comments here for anybody to uh, take a look at who helps to support Chris's podcast. He's been doing great things for the industry. He's been a big help for a lot of stuff that BAM tries to do. Uh, and Chris with Mike from Idiom uh, came up with this great idea to promote Brew for Bam. So that's also another reason why today is uh, great that we have this trifecta here because yesterday Earl and his team at Crooked Crab released a wonderful beer. We'll talk about it in a little while. Um, Chris, are we good to bring Earl in? Yeah, absolutely. Earl, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. I know that we're both excited about this. Um, Chris, why don't you go ahead? So I, I've had an episode with Dan before, and so I'm positive I had was told this, but I cannot recollect at all. Um, so I'll just jump to one of the first questions I always ask is, where the heck did the name Crooked Crab come from? Yeah, it's a question we get asked a lot. Um, it's funny when we, you know, we're, we're all from Maryland. We're born and raised in Maryland. We wanted to be a brewery for Maryland people, we wanted a very Maryland forward name. Um, we the, the first name we thought of was Blue Crab Brewing Company. And we said, oh, Blue Crab Brewing Company, it's perfect. It's the most Maryland name you can get. Um, unfortunately, there's a, a winery in Virginia that makes a Blue Crab wine. 
So we were having some legal issues with that, some trademark issues, whatever. So we kind of went back to the drawing board, but we liked the crab thing. Um, so we wanted to uh, do something with that, but we could like terrible names. We're, I mean, we were texting each other back and forth, like the worst names you can possibly You have to list of. some. That's one. Actually, yeah. That's actually one of my favorite things. List, Honestly, hearing, hearing the list of the ones that were tossed out the window are sometimes hilarious. Yeah. So, so what I texted Dan uh, half jokingly was cooked crab. And uh, he misread the text as crooked crab. And he said, oh, Crooked Crab, that's a great name. And I was like, yes, that is a great name. <laughs> um, so it kind of came came by mistake. But, um, it, you know, it was meant to be. A happy little accident. Yep. But so so just give us one of the horrible ones that were tossed out. Jeez, I don't even remember. Um, that bad, lot, huh? Yeah, it was a lot of, a lot of crab a lot of crab puns. Um, you'd have to ask Dan. His memory's better than mine. All Too right. many beards. <laughs> um, and what uh, what were you doing before Crooked Crab? Yeah, so I was um, a project manager for an IT company. Uh, I was working in DC and just homebrewing on the side. I mean, I've loved beer ever since I graduated college. I started with heavy seas and trogues and just really fell in love with craft beer. I started homebrewing. Um, it's back in like 2011, I started homebrewing. I was homebrewing for five or six years and always just felt like it would be awesome to start my own brewery. Um, but never thought that it was something I would ever really do. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not really a business person. I know beer really well. Um, so I thought maybe like when I'm old and retired, I'll start a brewery. Um, you know, I was hanging out with Dan one day after a round of golf and I just mentioned it to him, like, hey, it would be really awesome to start a brewery. And he was like, yeah, that would be really cool. Like, I, I really think we can do that. Um, so we just were talking about it. And I was kind of serious. I don't know whether he was serious or not. You know, everybody says, yeah, we should start a bar. We should start a brewery. Yeah. But nobody's ever really serious. I was serious about it. Um, so I went home and just started up mocking up a business plan. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. And um, two years after that, we, we opened our doors. That's why I there was there was one brewery I was interviewing when it was is a similar story, where it there was the conversation let's do this, and then the one guy just went ahead and went and quit his job, and and then told his partners like okay I'm ready and he's like whoa, whoa, whoa. I was I didn't think it was like that quick. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think we'd yeah, so we tomorrow. Yeah. We started talking about it in um, it's like 2015 I think we started talking about it and I didn't quit my job until. 2017 when we signed the lease for our space and we started doing construction that's when i quit my job and focused full-time on crooked crab what uh what kind of motivated you to select your location in odenton you were uh among some of the very first breweries in anne arundel county uh, <laughs> what was the motivator there was it basically the fact that you could come in and introduce a new new thing to consumers or was there something really alluring about the space um, a mixture of both. Um, we were, we liked Anne Arundel County, um, from a business perspective because there's nothing else there. And we thought it would be a really good opportunity to bring beer to that area. Um, and we spent a lot of time in Annapolis because my wife and Dan's wife are both from Cambridge originally. So that was, and we both grew up in Montgomery County. Um, so it was kind of a good middle ground, um, that we used to meet up in all the time. So we were looking around that area 
And uh, one of the spaces we toured was the eventual location we settled on in Odenton, and it was perfect. I mean, it's really accessible right off the highway, really high ceilings, um, you know, the gas lines and everything else were, were perfect. So from a physical specification standpoint of what we were looking for, it had everything we wanted. Um, and then we, you know, we didn't really know much about Odenton when we first were looking into this, we liked the property and we started doing some research on Odenton and, and, um, you know, Odenton is one of the fastest growing cities in Anne Arundel County. Um, a lot of people live there, not a whole lot for people to do there. Um, so it was kind of a perfect storm, honestly, and we couldn't have, we couldn't have picked a better spot. It definitely is easy to get to that. And, um, I, I'm very, as I say, lazy often. So the ha- minimal turns is a, is a nice, the, the yeah, fewest and, of turns Chris has to make to get to a brewery. Yeah. <laughs> and we're only like, um, like five miles away from BWI. I mean, we're really close. So we were really central Maryland. Everybody's, you know, Odenton is itself is a small city. Nobody's ever heard of it. Um, but it's right in between Baltimore and DC. It's right off at 32 and 95 or pretty close to 95. So it's not, yeah, you know, it is very easy to get to. The city sign's pretty cool too. Yep. The- we may be incorporating that into some of our upcoming cans, uh, can artwork. Actually, we've got a new release coming out next month. Nice. See, that's why I love doing this on Friday afternoon because everybody gets a little loose lip. They start sharing <laughs> ideas about things that are coming up. <laughs> well, we do a, yeah, I mean, preview alert. We do a pumpkin ale every year called Straight Out of Odenton. And um, it's a really fun beer that we make because we use uh, locally grown pumpkins from a, a farm just down the road. And then we roast them at the hideaway, which is a barbecue spot right down the road. So it's a, it's a beer that, incorporates lots of local Odenton businesses. Um, so that's a fun one. Um, we call it straight out of Odenton and yeah, we're, we're going to probably riff off of that for the, for the cans. That's going to be coming out late next month. I've never had that. Is that, um, more of like just a gourd beer or is it a pumpkin pie beer? It's more of a gourd beer than a pumpkin. So it's drinkable. Um, Yeah, it is. Well, so I'm, I'm very basic. I do like my, my pumpkin pies, but, um, Adam is more traditional and he wanted to brew a pumpkin beer that people who don't like pumpkin pie beers will enjoy. So I think you would probably enjoy it. I'll have to check it out then. Cause I can't stand, um, the pumpkin spice flavor. It's very easy to overdo. Well, I mean, I just, I don't even like, I don't like pumpkin pie. So it's not like I'm jumping on that popular bandwagon of hating on pumpkin pie flavored things i've never liked pumpkin pie chris is the og pumpkin spice denier yeah like yeah it's not good well there's been a a pretty big uh consolidation in the marketplace of pumpkin beers too i mean they were everywhere for a few years but i think a lot of them went down that pumpkin pie road yeah and, uh, you know for the last few years retailers have been a little bit uh, hesitant to go in and invest heavily in bringing those overly spiced and uh pumpkin pie flavored beers into their stores because now, i'm not gonna hate on people who do enjoy it or love pumpkin spice everything i just personally really dislike it Oh, I have yeah. a very good friend who likes to post every time he sees the first uh, 
pumpkin spice latte or something out the <laughs> wild. He's like, it's time for me to, to live my best life. And he goes after it. So um, no shame. That was like July this year, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah. Cause they made some kind of post about, um, making the year better or like it's been bad. So we're bringing it early. Oh, great. So what's your philosophy at Crooked Crab behind the beers that you guys have produced? You've uh, kind of hit on a lot of the, uh, the hot styles. You guys are executing those very well. You're, you're making a name for yourself with those styles. But when I look at your offerings, you have a really well-rounded list and we're going to talk about some classic styles today even uh, in the lineup that you're offering. So what's motivating where you guys are uh, putting your effort into brewing and, and building out your portfolio? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so first and foremost, our goal is to have something for everyone and to, to really try and maintain a well-rounded tap list in our tap room. So as you mentioned, we do brew the hot styles, you know, the hazy IPAs, uh, the fruited sours, and you know, we'll talk about some of those today. But we also have a cream ale on tap. We do a brown ale year round. Uh, we've got a hefeweizen on tap. We've got a Kolsch. Um, we, you know, we try to make. You know, we're a community brewery first and foremost, and we want to be as inclusive as possible to anybody that may walk in our doors. So that means having beer for you, no matter what your palate is. If you're a hardcore beer drinker and you love high octane beers or whether you've never had a craft beer before in your life or whether you're a wine drinker or a spirit drinker or no drinker, I guarantee you I can find something on our tap list that I think you'll enjoy. So that's our kind of overall philosophy. And then from there, we just, we brew what we like to drink. Um, and we definitely like to drink hazy IPAs. So we brew those, we like to drink sour. So we brew those and um, you know, if something does well, we'll make it again. If it doesn't, we won't. So you've kind of, um, I mean, it, it sounds, seems weird to say in the short two and a half years you've been in existence, uh, but you kind of went through, um, a rebirth several months ago. It seems like, um, is that a wrong outside perception or was there kind of a changing of the ship that took place? Yeah, so Adam, um, who's our head brewer now, he started uh, near the end of 2018 with us. So we opened in early 2018, and then he came on board uh, near the end of the year that year. So he's been with us for about a, a year and a half now. And um, yeah, our beers were great before. Um, I think he's definitely helped take our beers to another level. Um, and recently, I think even in the last five months, um, one of the silver linings of the pandemic has been that we've been forced to can our beers a lot more frequently than we were before. And uh, that's been, I think, a great thing for us because now our beers are getting out into more people's hands. I think our can artwork is fantastic. I mean, I'm biased, but I think it's some of the best in the game. It's very fun. And Yeah, it is. It's very it's fun. eye-catching and fun. And when you see it on the shelf, it stands out and um, it, it does a lot more for our brand and for our image uh, when somebody has a fun can of our Furious George Hefeweizen and it's got the monkey on it um, rather than just trying it on draft somewhere. You don't get that, that same um, experience or interaction with the brewery and, and who we are. Um, so I think that that's actually done wonders for us, um, just, just putting our beer in cans more frequently. 
Was that something you always planned on doing and was just sped up by um, the changing business climate or yeah. was it yeah, something you weren't even wanted to do? No, uh, we, so um, in 2019 uh, we were canning about once a quarter. Um, and then um, in the early part of 2020, we were canning about once a month. Um, so we were, we did have a standing like once a month canning run where we'd can two or three beers. Um, and it just sped it up to once a week. Um, so now we're canning every single week. We've got two new beers coming out pretty much. Um, so it really just accelerated the process of where we were kind of headed already. Yeah, and I know personally, it's been great that I, I've picked up crooked crad stuff at, in Frederick a few times. District East always has a few, well, actually you probably, probably get some of every one of your releases at this point, I'm guessing. Yeah, they get, they get most of everything. It's really yeah. nice that there are a lot of uh, retailers that are willing to help with the pull through the breweries in the state have been looking for in the last few months. I think this pivot that a lot of our businesses had when the ideal circumstances were to open a tap room where you could have guests come in and serve them pints on premise and, and build your relationship with the guest over your own, uh, your own tables and over your own service bars and whatnot. I think that's a lot different than the relationship you build with people in a retail environment. So having really great retailers throughout the state who are willing to help with that pull through and tell that story is absolutely critical. Yeah. And, and that, yeah. you know, it, will take care of your beer and, and right. serve it the way you like, get it to the end consumer in a way that you're going to be happy with. Right. And, um, honestly even for us because we're so small still at this point that we're not even putting out that much beer we're just thankful that people want our beer and that people have heard about us all the way out in frederick and are asking for you know our releases it's it's almost a good it's a it's a problem but it's a good problem to have in that we can't produce enough beer to keep everybody happy um but yeah, the, the cans have been great. And now that um, bars and restaurants are starting to open back up, um, you know, we're, we're seeing that demand for draft as well. Plus our tap room is open again. Um, so it's it's um, definitely growing and um, good problems to have. One of the things that I've been considering the last couple of weeks as I have more and more of these conversations with uh, breweries throughout the state, I'm really curious as to whether or not when things start to get back to uh, what we used to consider normal and restaurants start to open with more capacity and things like that, um, since we have this carry-off opportunity for cocktails and beer and wine from basically every retail licensee in the state right now, I'm wondering if there's going to be an uptick in people selling off-premise from restaurants like local craft cans, because if they were, that would be an incredible thing to be doing. Yeah, I've already seen some of that. Um, some of the restaurants that we've that we've previously just dealt draft beer to are now starting to take cans um, because they can they can sell cans on site or they can sell them to go. Um, so it's kind of a convenient package option for them. So um, yeah, it's it's definitely changing, and and we've got no idea where things are are going to be going forward, but. Um, yeah, the, the demand is really high right now, both for cans and um, increasing for, for draft now that stuff's starting to open back up. It's um, great. Completely shameless plug. Uh, Roast House Pub sells cans now. <laughs> and that, that's how they're doing their beer. That, What's that? 
You're good at that. I'm. Uh, it's, it's. It comes naturally. I should have just went yeah. into sales. It probably would have been a lot easier. Um, but like that's how he's doing his beer dinners now. Is that you? Um, each course that you prepare at home comes with a can, and then you can just buy. They they're purchasing stuff to just to go as cans. Yeah, it seems. Convenient. And also, seen I've seen um, more restaurants purchasing crowler machines and then crowlering off beer. And that helped a lot too with a lot of, re- I saw a lot of restaurants doing that once the, um, the lockdown started and everybody had to quarantine bars and restaurants had to close. They had stockpiles of draft beer that they couldn't do anything with. Um, so a lot of restaurants started just crowlering up their, their draft beer and selling it to go that way. It's just a way to kind of go through inventory rather than letting the beer sit there and potentially go bad. Or hoping for a buyback from a wholesaler or something like that. Right. So I'm wondering if, uh, and it's probably on the top of all of your minds at the brewery, but what do things look like for you now that you've had kind of such an uptick in capacity go out through wholesale? Um, when things do return, if they ever do really fully return, but as things start to open up more and more and you start to see more volume moving through your tap room, uh, again, and you have all this volume moving and distribution. You guys are kind of in a tight space where you are right now. Do you see that you have a lot of flexibility to increase capacity there? Is that a plan or are you going to have to figure out whether or not you need to pull out a distribution or what are you guys thinking? Yeah. So we're definitely pretty close to maxing out what we can out of our current space, um, which is a great problem. Not a problem I thought I'd run into. Um, two and a half years in, I uh, was hoping we'd be, you know, be able to last a little bit longer before we hit sort of that, that threshold. Um, but one of the, um, thankfully the, the guys that are next door to us are actually, um, planning on moving out at the end of this year. So that's an option that we're looking into is potentially expanding horizontally. Um, that'll give us some more room to add some more tanks, maybe our own canning line, um, and maybe, we'll be able to last another two and a half years before we run into this problem again. Have you I never s- try to get anybody to commit too soon, but it's uh, it seems like expansion is something that several people are talking about right now. And uh, you know, it's, it's interesting to kind of think through what that process looks like amidst what's going on. You know, there was a very big fear at the beginning of this whole thing that breweries were uh, gonna, gonna really be struggling to get through this. Fortunately, the health of the industry seems to be that, well, it's not ideal and everybody seems to be uh, kind of not making the money that they expected to this year. Uh, the brewery industry, the brewing industry is doing doing fairly well and people are still able to find a way to uh, generate some revenue. Yeah. People like to drink, thankfully, especially when they're locked at home. In the best of times and the worst of times. Well, I think a lot of it is um, to, to thank our governor, too, though, because there are a lot of states where breweries aren't doing as well and it's a direct result of the policies and the picking and choosing basically who wins and loses business wise. Um, Yeah, that's a great point because the, uh, some of the executive orders that he's enacted have been really helpful for us. Um, allowing us to do home deliveries, um, to people were, was huge. Um, in April and May when our tap room was closed, um, you know, you can only do so much takeout sale through your tap room 
And there were a lot of people who didn't want to leave home. There were a lot of people who didn't feel comfortable going into establishments. Um, but if they could just pop online, place an order, have it delivered directly to your house, um, that was a really convenient option. And we did a lot of that um, the last couple of months. And we're still doing it today um, in Anne Arundel County. Um, so that was huge. And then um, I know that uh, outdoor seating was something that we previously would have had to go through a whole zoning you know, issue with the liquor board and everything else because we're doing it in our parking lot. But um, they just told us we could do it. Um, we'll worry about all the logistics later. Um, so now we've got outdoor seating in our, you know, the front of our tap room. We've got like six tables outside, um, which is, has also been really popular as well. Because yeah, in, in some of the states, none of those things were enacted and breweries are really struggling. So it, it's, I, I wonder if it, I mean, it, it's probably a direct result of the work BAM has done the last several years of putting the brewing industry in such a forefront um, of a thought process of it being an important industry in Maryland that it was considered important to make these uh, allocations so that they could stay in business and safely. None of it was done haphazardly. It was all, they're all executive orders that had uh, the citizens' safety in mind. Um, but still allowed you to operate in a way that you can keep your doors open. Right. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, we're thankful for a lot of those things that have been enacted. Um, and thankfully we were able to get through it. Now our, now we're open again with 50% capacity and, you know, it, it sucks that we still are at a point where we can't have big fun events and live music and all that other stuff, but we're, you know, we're thankful that we can, have our doors open, have people come enjoy beer in a safe way. Um, and, um, you know, hopefully things continue to get better. And I will say, um, even though I just popped in and out real quick to, to pick up beer, that it seemed that it would be very safe to have a beer at Crooked Crab right now. Uh, yeah, all of, of all of my observations, you guys were definitely following cdc guidelines and um making it a safe environment yeah and thankfully we have a pretty big space in our tap room which makes it a little easier to get away with that um but yeah we were able to space all of our tables more than six feet apart you know we make sure all of our employees wear masks all the time um we've got hand sanitizer everywhere in the brewery um, so we have heard that from a lot of our customers that they, um, they, they tell us that the only place that they feel comfortable going out besides their house is crooked crab, which is great for me to hear. That means that we're doing something right. Um, so it's what you got to do. Well, I can definitely confirm it. I, I would have felt safe to stay longer and have a beer. Um, even though I'm fairly paranoid. Uh, yesterday was probably one of the largest crowds that I've been around in a while. And even in the production space while we were, you know, getting a uh, wham bam canned up and everybody's taking pictures and having a great time. Um, it still felt as though everybody there was focused on keeping each other safe. And, uh, and that's so appreciated, uh, especially in a time like this, cause you're never certain what's going on and you, you never want to be responsible for harming anybody else or, uh, feeling as though you put your your friends in danger so when, and you don't want to be that headline yeah. like odenton brewery right. found to be the <laughs> the epicenter for a huge 
Yeah, exactly. Well, so let's, let's uh, talk a little bit about Brew for Bam. Mike, uh, I had him on a couple of weeks ago, Mike Clements with Idiom Brewing. If you haven't watched our uh, chat yet, it is up on our YouTube channel or on our Facebook page. Um, but Brew for Bam was something that was thought up by Mike and uh, Chris Sands for, uh, to be a fundraiser, kind of a statewide fundraiser to help uh, offset some of the losses that the Brewers Association is seeing this year. Uh, due to our lack of ability to host big events. Again, we don't want to become one of the headlines. Brewers Association gets thousands of people sick. Uh, that would not be fun for anybody, and no. I don't think it would be a good uh, public relations It's not a good uh, look. Image. So, um, Chris, can you tell us a little bit why it was important for you to help out with that? And then, Earl, if you wouldn't mind sharing why you uh, wanted your brand to be involved and uh, what went into uh, Wham Bam. I'm just looking for a transition uh, I didn't know if that was the first beer you wanted to put in the lineup, but it makes sense to me. I guess I'm going to have to crack one open now, too. I'm almost done with my... I, I want to talk about Galactic Crab Lord, too, because it's really good. Um, well, it kind of rolled in from... We were wrapping up because Mike helped me with the raising money for specifically Frederick Breweries. Because uh, that was that was kicked off early on when there was that fear that breweries weren't going to survive before the... Um, they could do delivery and everything so we we had the separate fundraiser for that that had been wrapping up and i was on the phone with mike and we were talking about just doing selling glassware as a fundraiser for bam um because that's when like the news of like the national brewers association having all these financial issues i was like crap i didn't even think about bam they're probably having <laughs> the same types of things the frederick uh, I think the Frederick Craft Beer Festival, or I guess Maryland Craft Beer Festival, but she just named this, changed the name to Frederick, um, had just been canceled. And so Mike and I were talking, and he was like, "Hey, one," and I think all together was like on the tail end of that. Uh, so Mike was like, "Let's, we, there should be something like that." And I was like, "Yeah, I'll help any way I can." So it's. I mean, it's just, I love going to BAM events. I don't want anything to happen to BAM. And it's just, you guys have been so instrumental in helping breweries become what they are in Maryland now. I mean, I remember having to go pretend to take a pour, I mean, take a tour just so I could have a couple six ounce tasters at a tap room and not being able to buy anything more than that so it's i felt it was important to help bam any way i possibly could yeah and it was the same for us um bam has been a huge help to us as a brewery uh when we were in planning um we were opening in anne arundel county at a time when there were no breweries uh, class five breweries in Anne Arundel County. So just kind of navigating the permitting process and um, licensing and everything else. Uh, BAM was a huge help for us. And we actually didn't even know that, um, that Mike and um, that you guys were even doing the whole brew for BAM thing at the time when we had this idea too. Uh, so it's um, kind of funny how it all came to be, but we just felt like that, that you guys have, have fought for us and done a lot of uh, been, been a huge help um, getting legislation passed and um, just fighting for our rights. So we felt that, when you know, you guys are always there for us. How can we be there for you um, now that 
um, you know, the festivals and everything else that you guys rely on are, are obviously not happening this year. So that's where the, the, the desire for this idea came to be. And um, when I talked to Kevin about it, he was like, oh, yeah, um, it, Mike and Idioms doing the same thing. You should talk to them. Um, so it's really cool that a lot of other Maryland breweries are kind of getting on board with this. Um, so we wanted to help in any way we can. And um, we also partnered with this beer that uh, we'll talk about now, Wham Bam. Uh, we partnered with Firm Brewing Company, which we thought it would be cool to involve them in this project. They're a brewery and planning in Crofton, Maryland, which is like 10 minutes from us. And um, them being a brewery and planning, I mean, they, they are going through the same process that we went through three years ago. And they're taking direct help from you guys. I mean, I think Jana was at one of their walkthroughs literally yesterday. Um, so, you know, they're directly benefiting from, from BAM also. And we thought that being a brewery and planning, it would be really cool to involve them in this project also because, you know, they can't obviously brew their own beer yet. Um, so that's how we kind of looped them in. And, um, yeah, we're, we're happy to help in any way that we can. So, oh, sorry, Chris, go ahead. so one of, um, one of the brew for band beers was a tribute to Kevin addicts. He was on the can, uh, swimming around in with, uh, in Dan's pool, enjoying his unicorn floaty. Is, is this Jim? Is the, <laughs> it uh, might be in disguise. Oh. So I was just wondering if the can, your can was Jim. I don't need any cans. <laughs> I just need cans in my fridge. That's all I need. Yeah. Um, I was going to say that uh, for a lot of the people that are watching, I'm sure that they've seen collaboration brews between their, their big favorite brands and all this kind of stuff. And that seems to have been a trend, you know, two breweries come together, they bring new and creative ideas to the table or they benefit from each other's name and uh, certain regional distribution groups and networks. So they're able to kind of jointly capitalize on a release together through either an educational opportunity or an opportunity to get a foot in the door somewhere. I think what the breweries in Maryland that are doing with firm is really cool. This is one of the first times that I've seen a, uh, a brewery and planning work so closely with breweries that are already in existence to take all of the knowledge that they can from this industry and learn how to apply it in the best way so that when they open, they're already ahead of the game. And I, I think it's really cool that you guys are, are so open to sharing what you've learned and what you know technique ideas, whatever it might be, uh, with arguably a, a, a team of really great guys who are interested in opening a wonderful brewery. Yeah. And it's, it's really fun for us because when we were in their shoes and we were a brewery in planning, um, we got a lot of help from other breweries that were already in existence. They helped us out a lot. They, um, you know, we had Justin from jailbreak just popped in our space one day and, and chatted with us for a few hours about what to do, what not to do, gave us a lot of advice. I mean, we, we got a lot of help from a lot of breweries in Maryland. Um, so it's really cool to be able to return the favor in some way. Um, now it's kind of come full circle where we are the established brewery and, you know, we can kind of pass on our, our wisdom to somebody else who's trying to open up. That's a really, I think that's got to be a rewarding position to be in. Yeah. 
So can you do me a favor? Can you show me the can of Wham Bam one more time? And can you uh, talk a little bit about what this beer is and what the concept was behind the the style? Yeah, absolutely. So this is Wham Bam. It is a New England style blonde ale, um, which isn't really a thing, but we just made it a thing. Um, (laughs) The idea is we wanted to do something uh, hazy, extremely dry hopped, very fruit forward. Um, but really um, sessionable, very low ABV. So this one's 5%. Uh, we dry hopped it with Vic Secret, Sabro, and Cashmere. So it's going to be a very soft, um, light body. I'm actually drinking it right now. Super crushable. Um, just very, very hazy, soft, tropical. Cheers, for um, sure. It's, yeah, cheers. Um Great beer for the summer, warm weather. Um, You're going to get all of those nice, juicy, fruity notes that you get off of a traditional like New England style IPA, but it's going to be much lighter, much lower um, ABV, uh, nice light body, um, easy for for warm weather. My wife absolutely loved this beer. Yeah, it's it's very drinkable. And at 5%, I can have five or six of these, which is dangerous. Um, so that's exactly what we were shooting for. The palette on it is phenomenal. Uh, it's got such a great texture. I really, really think you guys nailed it with all of the tropical fruit character in the hop uh, lineup. It's it's absolutely delicious. And I'm not saying yeah. that because you guys did this for your association. I'm just saying that because it's a it's a great beer. You're only saying that it because you're on the can. That's yeah. it. We I can't really wait to spread that rumor. That. <laughs> well, Claude Mackey, the, uh, one of Maryland's best wine ambassadors and a friend of Grown Fortify who helps us with all of our events on our team, says that I do, in fact, need a can. So anybody out there who wants to put me on a can, Claude said it should happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we were really happy with how it turned out. Um, and it's, it's hard to mess up beers that have, like, you know, Vic Secret, Sabro in them. It's, you know, all the, the sexy hops. Um, just really nice, like, passion fruit. Uh, guava, uh, passion fruit, pineapple, um, almost like a little bit of coconut, just really nice and tropical, but easy drinking. I want, so I, what was the, uh, was this a recipe that you guys brewed in house and asked firm if they wanted to be involved or did firm come to the table and you guys kick the idea around? How did that collaboration work? Yeah. So we had actually been talking about doing something with them for a while. Um, as you mentioned, they were, doing a um they've done a couple collabs with some other maryland breweries so they approached us um and asked us if we wanted to to do something with them and we were totally on board with it we just didn't know what and our production schedule has been so hectic um we you know we just couldn't find time to slot something in and then you know when we thought about doing this bam uh, beer, we thought, wow, this would be a great opportunity to loop them in um, because, you know, we've wanted to do something with them. They've wanted to do something with us. Um, this would be a great opportunity to make that happen. So we asked them if they wanted to be a part of it. And immediately they said, yes, we're on board. Let's do it. It would be, that would be awesome to be involved in this project. Um, so it was really fun how that, um, you know, came to be it just kind of everything the you know the stars aligned uh i think that they may have a contest coming up about this beer in the next couple of days so if you are uh, not following firm brewing 
P-H-E-R-M on uh, social media, please do. They're going to have some fun stuff coming out about this beer and uh, some some good good contest context for you. So get out there, support uh, Crooked Crab by buying this beer, uh, support BAM, and support Firm. They're, uh, they're looking forward to introducing some new beers to you guys. Chris, what do you think of this one? I know you said Beth loves it. How about you? I had one last night. I really enjoyed it. I drank... So I, I was taking photos last night. So I, that usually ends up me double fisting beers. Uh, I had that in the, I don't remember the exact type, name of it, but the blueberry um, pie beer. Uh, I absolutely loved both of them. They're just amazing. This was the, I had the um, wham bam first. And actually right now I'm debating, do I really want to drink one of these? Because after... Um, a galactic crab lord i'm pretty sure a wham bam is not going to taste as good <laughs> i'm um, sure it'll still taste great you're going the opposite direction yeah i i i guess i jumped into the deep end and now i'm kind of <laughs> wading back into the shallow um well, it's been a long time since i've had a beer on a production floor and i have to say that this beer was so refreshing yesterday just to like see the culmination you were kind enough to invite the bam team out when you guys brewed this beer took a bunch of pictures, got to know your team. Uh, and then being there yesterday when you guys canned everything, uh, again, being around everybody who is excited about this project and felt good about it. Uh, a beer has never, has very rarely tasted as good. Yeah. It was, and it's, it's always great to drink fresh off the canning line. I mean, it doesn't get a whole lot better than that. No. Um, so it, it was, it was a lot of fun just to have you guys out and, and be a part of it. Well, and shouts out to Ironheart doing the canning with you guys. They did a great job yesterday. Uh, if anybody picks up, or should I say when you pick up your Wham Bam cans, double check the bottom. I think there's a little Easter egg under there for everybody um, on the printed portion. So uh, use that hashtag when you find it and show your support for what's going on in the state. Is it the canned on 828? Uh, the very bottom. I know. I'm not that stupid. Silly man. <laughs> um but yeah, I, it's a it's a great great beer, and like you're saying, it's kind of it gives you all those um, nice flavors of a of a New England without the heaviness that that you yep. no, normally get from them. I'm I'm actually surprised this isn't a more um, popular style or like popular by brewed well, more they often. Just invented it. What's that? Right, they just invented it. Oh, okay. Yeah, we did. Just... <laughs> um, Earl, what beer yeah. do you want to talk about next, man? You've got a great lineup today, so I don't want to. I don't want to like blow any surprises. Um, can I pick? Sure. I, what? What's that, Chris? Can I pick what you talk about? Sure. I I yeah. just want to hear about Galactic Crab Lord because I really, sure. really, man, really. You're in... Totally going to mess up the tasting sequence, but it is what it is. Well, we don't have to taste in that We're order. We're jumping into the deep end first, Jim. Yeah. All right, do it, guys. Quit being a baby. Just wants to do it. Um, yeah, so Galactic Crab Lord is our New England style double IPA. Um, so that one is the, the all the rage nowadays. The kids um, love them. The kids love them. Yeah, and that's actually of of all you know we've done a lot of them. We've done a lot of of I, uh, New England styles IPAs, double IPAs, and this one's actually my favorite, my personal favorite of all the ones that we've done. Um, super juicy super tropical forward it's citra galaxy which is such a money combo um it's hard to mess that up 
And uh, it's 8%. It does not drink like 8%. It's no, it very doesn't. dangerous. Um, <laughs> and it, my favorite part of the beer is the mouthfeel. It has such a nice, um, like a soft pillowy mouthfeel. I got made fun of the other day. I, I called it pillowy and uh, they made fun of me. But I, I think it's just a, a really soft body. Um, really lets the hop shine. Um, super juicy. And uh, it's a perfect example of a new england style double ipa oh, i like that if you get made fun of for calling a beer or something you go full bore and say you know what i'm gonna double down and <laughs> i'm gonna do it in front of live viewers yeah exactly it's pillowy <laughs> it's soft i mean i don't know yeah i'm gonna do me and i love it man and it tastes extra amazing out of uh their new crab and maryland flag glassware yeah that's a beautiful yep. glass Chris, how pillowy is it? Oh, it's pillowy. It's yeah. the pillowiest pillow beer I've ever had. Yeah, it's um no, and and Citra Galaxy is is such a good combo. Um, it's uh just like as it's probably the the most juice forward uh, fruit forward double IPA we've ever made without actually putting any fruit in it. Um, so we really pushed that one to the extreme i do want to uh point out that joe c for all those folks listening on the uncapped podcast this uh he feels that galactic crab lord is absolutely delicious and uh i want to give him a shout out for being ahead of the curve i concur i concur as well yeah it's a great beer so we just released that um last week so our our idea with that is to try to release it twice a year. Um, so we released it the first time on our two year anniversary and we just released it last week for our 2.5 year, uh, anniversary. So it's kind of our birthday, half birthday celebratory beer. So look forward to it right now. And then if you miss out, you have to wait until February. So what's the story behind the name and the, um, label art? Yeah. So, um, we one of our favorite beers that we make is called Excelsior. It's a New England style pale ale, and that it's one of my favorite beers that we make. But it's also one of my favorite labels that we make. And um, our artist Chris Bishop, shout out to him. He does all of our can artwork. He's actually an illustrator for PBS Kids, um, oh, which cool. is where, where we get some of that kind of cartoony feel. Um, he named the the character in the Excelsior artwork, Crab Lord, and we just loved that name. Um, we said we have to name a beer Crab Lord because it's just a really badass name. Um, so we made a double IPA. We threw Galaxy Hops in it, and it became Galactic Crab Lord. So, I think back to your conversation earlier, Earl, about the necessity of seeing the the label art with the beer like that that part of the experience if that's not there especially for a beer like excelsior okay not everybody knows the stan lee background and what that all means but the right. moment that you have that comic book panel in front of you on that label yeah and you kind of get the feel of what it is it all starts to click right it, it always makes yeah. me think of krang from teenage mutant ninja turtles even though it's the stomach yeah. instead of the head and right 
yeah, it, it's it's fun artwork, and I you know I don't know how he thinks of these things or creates them, but uh, yeah, Excelsior that that can art is fantastic, and that's one that we have brewed a couple times now just because it's such a good beer, and 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 we do like the artwork. So this is kind of a riff off of that. Um, so we the artwork, um, you know, we've got the the crab lord guy here in the in the ship, kind of blasting off, you know, hanging out in space. That's a, that's a great can. I really like that. Yeah. All right. What's next on your lineup? What do you want to uh, share with the people? Um, should probably talk about Haze for Days. Um, just because that is, um, it's our flagship beer. It's, it's our, arguably our most important beer. Um, it's the beer that started it all for, for us um, as a brewery. So we have this beer available year round. And um, I, I think that core beer can can sort of get a bad rep at times because everybody wants to seek out what's new and, and what's different. But I think there's something to be said for, you know, an old faithful, something that you know you've had before. It's a go-to. And again, being a community brewery, um, that's something that's important for us is is to have those standbys that that people know and recognize and love. And Haze for Days has just been extremely popular for us. It's our best-selling beer. Um, it's Citra Motuika, so it's it's nice citrusy um, pineapple grapefruit, and it finishes a little bit on the drier side, so it makes you want to take another sip. It's one of those beers you don't have to think too hard about. You just have it in front you. of you. And, yeah, you just have it in front of you, and you're just hanging out with friends, having a good time, sip, 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 sip. Um, so we love that beer. Um, we, we can't brew enough of it, honestly. Um, it, it's, it's our most widely recognizable beer and it's the beer that makes it out into the world more than any other beer that we make. Um, so it's just, it's an important one for us because it, it really helps pay the bills. Well, it's cool that you guys were able to open with Essentially, that that beer came out right when you opened, right? That was on your your initial lineup. Uh, yeah. You're you're one of the few, well, not few anymore, but at the time, you were one of the few brands that was kind of your your opening volley was a, a hazy IPA that really nailed it on all accounts. Yeah, yeah, and that's something that you know we um, you you have to have a good hoppy beer nowadays. Um, that's just what the market demands and we knew that we wanted to have a good hazy um, from the jump so that's something that we worked really hard on and we we're really happy with the recipe it has been tweaked slightly here and there especially since adam joined he's made some tweaks to it um so if anything it's just getting better and better um but yeah it's just a it's a great standby year-round beer that you know we always have and um I love it. What um what styles do you, does your clientele gravitate towards the most? Is it the hype styles or are you selling a lot of your your classical styles more? It's both, honestly. Um it depends on the the person. I mean, we have a lot of locals who they love our I fought the claw and it's an old school traditional IPA. We have a lot of locals who uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great, I mean, it's not, it's weird to say, but it's, it's an IPA, but it's not a hype style anymore because yeah. nobody wants those IPAs that 
have bitterness. Ew, what's I do. That? Um, yeah, I, I do too. It's a it's a great beer. Um, we sell a lot of that. We sell we sell a lot of cream ale in our tap room. We get a lot of angry customers if our cream ale kicks and the new batch hasn't come out yet. We have a lot of angry customers. Um, but with that said, you know, when whenever we do can releases, we see a lot of demand for the sours, especially, um, you know, big pastry stouts, double IPAs, uh, those kind of things. Uh, speaking so we, of pastry we, stouts, that collaboration you did with old mother was phenomenal. Yeah, that one was a lot of fun. Um, that was a magic cookie stout. We wanted yeah. to do something that, um, you know, everybody has done pastry stouts that are, um, like, I don't know, vanilla and everybody's done the the coconut thing and you know, we just wanted to do something that was a little off the wall a little different so we you know nobody's done a magic cookie bar before I mean, i'd never even heard of it before so that was a lot of fun um abby from the bam team wants everyone to know that she also appreciates bitter ipas so the more the merrier yeah um I know. She was telling me that she doesn't like New England styles, which... Yeah, you blew she, her mind with Excelsior, man. I know. She's wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> you did ask a yeah. great question, though, and that's something that comes up almost every one of these conversations. When somebody says, I flat out dislike a style, it's always, you haven't had the right one yet. And yeah. I, you put the I right agree. one in a glass for her, and I think Abby was so thrilled with it. Yeah. So, actually, and, I... Sorry. And, no, go also same shameless self-promotion a little bit um but whenever i have a collaboration beer come out i obsessively read the untapped uh reviews and one of what's that you should know better i i know especially because sometimes they become personal attacks against me um but one of the ones for sam's jams started out with the normal i i i I don't like sours at all or something like that. And I was like, okay, here's another bad review, but, but this one was amazing. I was like, wow, that's, that's gotta, so the, uh, my point of that is like, that's gotta be a huge compliment to you. If someone says like, I hate this style and like, but this one's really good. Yeah. That is a, a really nice compliment. Unfortunately, most of the time, yeah, it's it usually, yeah, I hate this style. Um, uh, it sucks as just as much as the other ones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what's even more infuriating is they say, I hate this style, but this one's pretty good. And then they still give it a really bad rating. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like, come on, you, you know, you can't win. Um, one cap but, for an IPA. I hate IPA. So then why the hell are you ordering it? <laughs> right. Yeah. So how, how much attention do you pay to, uh, reviews? Uh, I look at every review and, um, just because I'm a maniac, but I don't put any stock into them at all. Um, honestly, rarely do you get any valuable feedback off of reviews. Yeah. And um, it's, it's hard to, to really read into, you know, any constructive feedback or anything like that. Um, I think um, as a whole, you might take some stock into what an overall rating might fall. Uh, you know, some beers relative to their styles um you can tell if they're a little bit better than others um you know hey this one was really well received it scored really well let's do that again um but for the most part i I read them just to see what people are saying and 
yeah i don't i don't i've got a thick skin i don't put too much stock into it so i just want to ask before we crush our time because we're pulling up on an hour right now do you guys have a few more minutes that we can get through the rest of these beers and extend this conversation oh yeah Yeah. i've got nothing to do so on the point of untapped reviews and things like that um it's interesting because i know in i from my experience in the industry and from people that i speak with uh on the production side untapped reviews very rarely make changes unless it's very critical feedback uh to how beer will be brewed however it seems that consumers rely very heavily on those reviews for how they want to spend their money so how how do you work with that strange dichotomy of I'm not getting feedback that's really helpful to make a better product, but the consumer is using this as like the holy grail to buy their beer. Right. Well, it's helpful to see. I mean, you know what styles people enjoy. Um, I, you know, you, you also know what styles uh, score better on Untapped. So I know that if we're going to brew a Kolsch, I know it's not going to score very well just because Kolsches don't score well. Even though people um, so love them, have, they just don't want to admit yeah. to it. Yeah, I love I love them too, um, and I think we make a great one. Um, but you, you just you can't put too much stock into that, and you just hope that people who are putting stock into untapped ratings take them with a a, a grain of salt or knowledge that hey, you know, just because this Kolsch has under a four doesn't mean that it's a bad beer. It just means that you know, maybe cultures in general don't score that well. So, um, I don't know. Well, and the untapped landscape is so different compared to rate beer, where you actually have people who are talking about like the, uh, the profile of the beer flavor, like how the beer is actually produced, uh, how, it, how it's presented. Um, untapped is really, I think more for people just to share what their preferences are. It's all personal. Yeah. It's almost 99.9% personal opinion. There's very few people putting, like thought into an actual rating of the beer. Well, what I was going to say about that is that there's some, there, there's some benefit to that because it makes understanding or at least getting input about beer a little bit more accessible to people who may not be beer nerds who know anything about SRM and color quality and clarity when it comes to a beer. And all they want to know is what's going to taste good. Who thinks this is a popular beer and should it, should I try it? Yeah. Right. And the other big thing about untapped is you see what your friends are drinking and what your friends rate beers. And a lot of people will use that. Um, you know, Hey, my friend gave this a really high rating. Now I want to seek that out. Um, so one thing dinner party next week and not be able to talk about the same beer that your friend had. Um, one thing I'm definitely noticing now, I don't know why I've never noticed this before, but, untapped users do not clean their glassware very well oh yeah tons of bubbles <laughs> yeah it happens and yeah. then they get on us for you know the beer maybe doesn't taste great but quick quick housekeeping piece for everybody watching if you have little bubbles riding up the side of your glasses it means that your glass is not cleaned all the way Just or, or, or most likely it's not rinsed well enough it right. may actually be clean because mo- yeah most um most soap detergents have lipids is that the right no i don't know something that'll cling to the glass and if you don't rinse it especially well that's going to get those bubbles 
And some rinse aids that are out there that actually are supposed to help break that down, some of them will actually be detrimental to beer service as well. So they'll ruin like head retention and things like that. Sorry, we're, we're being nerdy now about glasses, but it's something to be aware of. Yep. And you should always rinse with cold water, even if it's yep. been previously uh, washed, because then you'll give it that extra rinse to ensure that it's clean. Um, it'll take your glass closer to the temperature of the beer, and then you'll be able to take a beautiful photo. Speaking from a pro. Yeah, Chris doesn't care how they taste. He just wants them to look at his pictures. Oh, I take the picture and dump the beer out. Who drinks beer? <laughs> yeah. That's weird. Beer? <laughs> All right, Earl, what's next, brother? Um, so a couple more. We'll talk about Krabby Kolsch Thank since you. we're on the topic. Yeah, this is one of my favorite beers that we make. Um, it, yeah. I don't Cheers. have one. <laughs> Sorry, man, you're missing out. I didn't have Galactic Crab Lord, so you're in my shoes huh. now. Well, I'm gonna go crack. Yeah. O- I'm gonna crack o- open a blueberry pie. Well, we'll talk about that next. I might drink one of those soon as well. Uh, but Krabby Kolsch is again. We were talking earlier about how important it is for us to have a well-rounded tap list at, um, in the tap room, and having a Kolsch is a great beer because it's really accessible. Um, just for people who aren't huge craft beer drinkers, just like slide in right there. Yeah, like for those you not watching, Chris did this creepy slide in from like the left side of the frame. <laughs> um, it's 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 just a really accessible, crispy, and I, I'm team crispy right now. It's funny uh, when I was first getting into craft beer, I was all about the high octane, the double IPAs, the imperial stouts. Now I really appreciate a well-made Pilsner, a well-made Kolsch. Um, and it's a style I, I tend to find myself gravitating towards a lot more. And I think our Kolsch is a fantastic example of that. It's a great um, summertime beer. It's I, it's my golf beer. Um, it's a nightcap beer. I mean, I, I drink it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner pretty, pretty much. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's never one of those beers that talking about untapped, that's going to score over the moon, but it's important. It's, it's an important style to have on tap for, for those people who aren't big craft beer drinkers. And that is not a Kolsch, but we will be talking about that beer shortly. Nice pour, Chris. And Chris is pouring the blueberry pie. And we can jump into that if you'd like. Although I do want to compliment you on the Kolsch. It's absolutely delicious. The uh, thank you. Beautiful. I've had that before, and it is, it's a perfect um, rendition of a Kolsch. In yeah, the, I, uh, I come from a background with a brewery that brewed a fantastic Kolsch, so I always like to, uh, to taste other Kolsches coming out of the state, and it's, it's money, man. You guys did a great job with that. Thank you. I've, thank um, you. I found in in agreement with you. I found myself going after the crispy boys a little more often lately too. Uh, especially, like I was camping in air quotes earlier this week, and when we were sitting around the fire, I had um, my wife was in Pittsburgh recently, and she picked me up the sampler pack that they made for the Fresh Fest Digi Festival, and one of the ones I grabbed was um, I think it was a Czech Pilsner. And it was just so refreshing. 
So yeah, now I've, I've been drinking a lot more of those recently as well. And it's, um, they're good, but now I'll just go ahead and love. I'll just go ahead and drink a double, um, blueberry pie beer. Yeah. So let's get right into crispy beer, boys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love crispy boys. This blueberry one's great. <laughs> yeah. So this is a fun beer. Um, blueberry pie punchline. Um, you know, sours are so popular nowadays. You almost have to have one. Um, and I, I think we do great sours. We actually have a really great following, um, for, for our sours. So we have a couple different series at Crooked Crab. The, the one that started it was our walked into a bar series. So we have a couple different walked into a bar beers. We did a, a boysenberry and blueberry and uh, raspberry and peach. We did a bunch of different. The um, raspberry and peach one a, was great. Yes, they, they're all great. Um, Josh, I'm biased. The beer, the beer fairies in Montgomery County loves it too. He just wanted us to share that. Awesome. Thank you. Um, they're, uh, so they're 4.6% fruited kettle sours. And um, our walked into a bar series needed a punchline. So that's where the punchline series uh, came to be. Uh, it's making sense now. I love um, it. Yeah. So our, <laughs> our punchline series is sort of our, uh, it, it's our higher octane. It's a little bit more experimental. It's bigger, bolder. Um, so those are 7.2% ABV, a little bit higher, very dangerous. And we just, it's, it's more fruit, more ingredients. And, and this one, the blueberry pie was especially fun. It was a ton of blueberries that went into this. So it's very uh, jammy, berry forward. And then you get the vanilla, you get that pie spice on the end. Um, it's, it's a really fun beer. The good pie spice, and, not the uh, pumpkin garbage. Yeah. Well, and I don't know what to tell you. Abby from our team. Uh, oh, goodness, it disappeared. Well, Dang it, was... I'm not good at that. We saw it first. There it is. Abby from our team is tuning in with hers. So shouts Thank out you. to everybody. She's having a great time. What I find really weird. What I find really weird about your sours, though, is they don't taste like Cheerios at all. Right now. And that's honestly one of the things that, um, you know, <laughs> I love Jim's reaction. Ice, <laughs> What's that? That's a way to break the ice. <laughs> <laughs> You know, a lot of a lot of people um, make really bad sours. Are, yeah, they're they're <laughs> making sours that aren't sour, and they just taste like fruit juice, and that's cool. And I understand that there's a big market for that, but you know, our sours are sour. You know, they're that's what they're supposed to be. I think that there's something to be said for striking a really nice balance between tartness and sweetness. So we try to walk that line where we have a lot of fruit in it and the fruit is naturally sweet, but you have the tartness as well. Um, so it, it's, it's a really nice balance. I, I, Bam agrees. That you guys have some great sours coming out of, uh, out of the brewery there. I was going to say that I think that there's a little bit of a trend going on now with uh, some of the fruited sours also pulling in some of these flavor characteristics that you find in these pastry stouts. You're starting to see things like in the uh, some of the Dan's Jams out of Full Tilt, you're seeing things like graham cracker flavor and, 
and pastry type flavors. You mean kind of like pineapple mango crisp? I mean, I know that you like to talk about the beers that you're featured with, Chris. <laughs> and yes, I was upset I didn't get to try any. Well, I'm sure I can blame someone for that other than myself. Um, you not got any more cans in your uh, in your stash? I do, but the problem was they were at my office. I was at my house, and I had just gotten back from. Oh, so you, you fell on a deal. Earl was expecting you to deliver. There was never a deal made. If, <laughs> no, there was if, no deal made. If he, if he had said, um, will you bring me one, then I would have stopped by my office first. And the, the main reason I didn't is because I had my daughter with me. You're not allowed to bring kids into our building right now. So I, like, I would have had to make her sit in the car and it would have been a big ordeal. Yeah, 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 Kevin, whatever. Um, I guess my point is it's interesting to see that we've seen this evolution of like the kettle sour turn into something that's heavily fruited and now we're seeing it turn into something that is bringing in flavors that I don't think anybody would have ever anticipated seeing in like an original Leipzig Goza or something like that right could you imagine it's fun it's experimental it's great could you imagine taking like a six pack of each popular style of beer right now um to someone in the 19 like 1996 at the in the advent of craft beer and like here this is what people are going to be drinking in 2020 so when i started i was uh when i got into the industry i was working for one of the dogfish head ale houses in bakersburg and then i went to virginia and opened one there and dogfish head's whole theme then was extreme <clears throat> brewing and like this idea that like you're breaking all these boundaries and I don't even think that back then they would have imagined the beer would be where it is right now. Just the flavor profiles, the concepts people have come up with, the innovation. It's its incredible to see that we're taking this centuries-old product and turning it into something that is garnering kind of a new respect. It's not your dad's yellow fizzy water in a refrigerator. Yep. Completely agree. So uh, – as we start to wind down, Earl, why don't you uh, tell us what's going on um, with Crooked Crab in the next couple of months? What do you guys see happening? Where Where do you plan to be, and uh, how can how can people continue to support your brewery and the great team that you guys have? Sure. So, first and foremost, come out and visit the brewery. Hopefully, um, this has inspired you guys to seek out some of our beer. The best place to do that is always in our tap room. Uh, we're in Odenton. Um, it's right in the middle of Maryland. If you live anywhere in the area, it's worth a drive. Um, you know, we've got indoor and outdoor seating and we've got plenty of cans. If you just want some takeout stuff, if you're driving towards the beach, it's a quick pit stop, come by and seek us out. Um, next couple months, we've got some pretty fun beers. We already talked about the pumpkin ale, but if you like the sours, if you like the punchlines, um, we did just brew another punchline last week it's in the tanks as we speak so sneak sneak preview uh labor day weekend we have a guava passion fruit punchline coming That's out a nice combo um and it's such a good combo and we're really excited for that one so if you like sours um ours are pretty popular they do tend to go pretty quick so definitely come in and try to get some of that um, and as, as we talked about earlier, our, our distribution is definitely growing. Um, it's something we're doing more of, especially cans, uh, recently. So, you know, if you see us in beer stores across the state, you know, we're, we're over in Frederick now, Montgomery County, Baltimore, 
um, obviously Anne Arundel, Howard Moco. So just seek us out, um, try some of our stuff, and, and because, hopefully you guys enjoy it. Uh, because it was a hot topic and it was released yesterday afternoon, how can people get a hold of Wham Bam? Yes. So, yeah, we just released it yesterday in the tap room. Um, very, very strong response so far through one day, which is great. Um, the best place to get it again is our tap room. Come by and, and get some wham bam. Um, it's it's for a good cause, obviously, and one that's that's dear to us and and other Maryland breweries, all Maryland breweries, really. So, uh, come by the tap room, grab cans. If you can't make it to the tap room or if we're too far away from you, we are going to be sending it out into distribution next week. So starting uh, Wednesday, you'll probably start to see it pop up in beer stores, uh, both locally and all around the state. So next week you'll start to see it pop up uh, out in the wild. Start you, asking your uh, local retailers for it because the uh, allocation is not huge. Correct. Are you um, self-distributing or have you signed on with a distributor? Uh, completely self-distributing at the moment. Uh, we do use Free State for certain counties. They're a local um, craft beer delivery service. Um, so we use them for uh, like Frederick and Carroll counties, just kind of like further out from us. Um, but we self-distribute everywhere else. So we are ensuring that the, the product is as fresh as possible. It's not sitting in a warehouse somewhere. You know, we've delivered beer that has been canned the same day before. Um, so whenever you see our beer on the shelf, you know it's going to be relatively fresh. What, Free um, State one of our affiliate members. If you see their trucks on the road, give them a thumbs up and thank them for all they're doing. They're making sure that you're getting delicious fresh maryland beer everywhere they go and uh out of the beautiful amazing city of frederick yep what uh what size batches are you doing so our brew house is a 15 barrel but all of our tanks are 30s so we're pretty much brewing 30s into everything if we can um you know certain beers like double ipas or sours we may not be able to get push that much into but um just because of the hops are fruit but yeah um yeah for the most part it's it's 30 barrel batches so wham bam was a 30 barrel so we get we got a pretty good yield off of it thankfully um so we got a little bit more than than expected so we we are going to have a decent amount that we're sending out into distribution great Awesome. Well, I would like to thank both of you very much. Earl, thank you for everything that you guys are doing to support the Brewers Association of Maryland. We're here for you. We're glad that you find value in everything that the association does as a member. Um, and, you know, it's for, for businesses like yours and for teams like yours that uh, all of this hard work is worth it. We're happy to see Maryland businesses succeed. Chris, thank you for everything that you're doing to uh, continuously support the industry, show love to all of our member breweries and uh to the to the region as a whole so thanks very much and to everybody watching thank you also yeah thank you everyone i didn't know if you wanted to close yeah. out with anything chris or if you were just happy to say cheers with your blueberry pie beer and, uh, yeah i'm gonna go sh chug it start your weekend. <laughs> cool but thanks guys thanks for having us this is a lot of fun and um enjoy the beer. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of this and I'm happy that, uh, uh, Jim, you guys were able to come out and be a part of this collab beer. So, um, well, yeah, I, I thought it turned out great and hopefully you it was great to see everybody and to meet your, uh, meet your staff and everybody that's working hard to make. Maryland oh, wait, beer. 
what oh, now Chris has a thought. I did. I, I meant to say this earlier, but then more important things were being said. Jim, we need to find a brewery, hint, hint, Earl, that wants to make a, a that'll put you on a can, but let's do it as a three-way collaboration and making Kevin Smith themed. You can be uh, Jay and I can be Silent Bob. Ah. I see what you I mean, just, just throwing that out there. Just throwing it out. <laughs> we'll, talk, we'll talk after this. All right, gentlemen, thank you very much for all of your hard work. Thank you, everybody who tuned in this afternoon. This was a fun talk. I'm sorry it went a few minutes long, but uh, I think it was well worth it. Earl, stay safe this weekend, and uh, best of luck in all of your coming days. I hope everything goes well. And uh, Chris, you. have a safe weekend with your family, and I will see you all very soon. Cheers, everyone. Thanks. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.